I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Bite, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey y'all, welcome to the Girlfriend's Guide to Sports podcast. My name is Claire Coles, and this is your weekly update. It's Halloween, so Monday, October 31st. Let's start with what you missed over the last week, then we'll move on to what to watch this upcoming week in the world of sports. We have a lot of sports to go over, so whether you are nursing that candy hangover and listening to this after Halloween or coming off that sugar rush listening to this as it drops, I want to go ahead and get started with the world of baseball. Pertinent tonight of all times as the World Series Game 3 was supposed to be tonight on Halloween. However, that game has been postponed due to rain. But going back to Game 1 and 2 as the World Series did begin over the last week and it has already been exciting. Game one and two, we were in Houston, and then we go back to Philly for games three, four, and five, and then back to Houston for games six and seven, if those are needed. So starting with game one on Friday, the Astros went up five to zero going into the fourth inning. And when teams have been up by five through three in the postseason, that record is 589 wins to 19 losses. Right fielder Kyle Tucker became the first Astro to score multiple home runs in a single World Series game. However, the Phillies fought back in the next two innings on Astros star pitcher Verlander, evening the score. So we're all tied up through five and then all the way through nine. So we go into extra innings into the 10th. The Phillies are up first and the first batter up, Rimalto home runs. Now we know the Astros have to score but they didn't. So the Phillies are the first team in 20 years to win after losing by five. Second largest comeback in National League history as well. And the Astros undefeated hopes 
die. So that is game one. The Houston team, however, rallied for game two. The Astros came out swinging, scoring three in the first inning, so came out right out the gates. Later in the fifth, the Strohs went up five, so that magical number comes back. Altuve, who has been much less productive during the postseason than the Astros thought, actually hit over three hits in this game. This makes his ninth three-plus hit in a game in the postseason career, so that makes him third of all time. Pitcher Valdez was also excellent in the pitching game, keeping the Phillies scoreless till the seventh. Valdez did have a runner on third when he was pulled, and the very next batter brought that runner home. The only other run for the Phillies, though, that was scored in that entire game was on an error on first baseman Guriel in the top of the ninth. So the Astros take that game Five to two. Again, series is tied 1-1. We were supposed to have game three tonight. However, that was postponed. So now we're looking at that being played on Tuesday and basically everything gets pushed one day. Final game seven, if needed, would be Sunday. I'll get to that more in what to watch this upcoming week. Skipping right along to college football as there was just a lot of news coming out of the college football landscape this week. I'm going to start with week nine results and then go into the headlines. Number seven, TCU was in a back and forth battle with West Virginia. There were only four punts in the entire game and one in the entire first half, but TCU did manage to still win by 10. So they are still undefeated. Number nine, Oklahoma State got shut out by number 22 K-State with their backup quarterback. Oklahoma State did have three turnovers, but that 48 to nothing win was the largest shutout of a top 10 team by a lower ranked opponent ever. Number 10, Wake Forest turned the ball over six times in the third quarter alone, leading to 35 points. Also, just eight turnovers in the entire second half. Needless to say, they lost to Louisville 48 to 21. Don't let this next score fool you. Number two, Ohio State was being pushed by number 13, Penn State. Penn State took the lead in the fourth with 9.26 to go, but those four turnovers that they'd had earlier in the game added up. Also, Tui Maloau, who goes by JTT, according to his coach, had the game of his life. Yes, I absolutely practiced that last name. He had two sacks, a forced fumble, a recovery, and two interceptions as a defensive end. The Buckeyes do stay undefeated 44-31. to Number 15, Ole Miss escapes at Texas A&M, who has now lost four straight games. Ole Miss had a night's bounce back after their first loss of the season to beat the Aggies 31-38. The first play in the Notre Dame versus number 17 Syracuse game was a pick six for the Fighting Irish, and that just set the tone. The game was really a story of Notre Dame's running game and interceptions. Syracuse had two of those, so also Syracuse's quarterback went out, so that killed them as well. Number three, Tennessee had a potential trap game with number one Georgia next week, so they might have been looking ahead, but the Volunteers did not let that happen. Tennessee beat number 19 Kentucky handily 44-6. to Number 21 Cincinnati looked to have their game won by scoring a touchdown and the two-point conversion with only 3.04 left in the game. But UCF was able to answer, scoring with only 48 seconds left. This ends Cincinnati's win streak against conference opponents. UCF wins 25-21. to 
Number 24, NC State had a scary one on Thursday against VTech, only winning by one. Also, Utah was without their starting quarterback, Cam Rising, and still beat Wash U by four. So that's encouraging for the Utes. Number 25, South Carolina broke into the rankings last week after four straight wins. But that didn't last long as Mizzou beat them on Saturday, 23 to 10. And finally, we just had to make a comment on this because it's frankly just atrocious. After their eight turnovers, which now apparently Wake Forest wants to mimic, Miami and VTech went into the fourth overtime. Oh, and um, that's not newsworthy, but the fact that there were no touchdowns scored is. No wonder Miami fans don't show up to those games. It must have been so boring. Miami did have a nice bounce back, though. After those eight turnovers, they did take the W this week. Some of the other headlines we need to get to is the college football playoff rankings will be announced tomorrow. This will be the first rankings that they will give out. This is a committee of athletic directors, coaches, former coaches, analysts that all vote on who they think should be ranked and in what order. So this kind of gives that human element to the ranking system. They do tend to favor things like quality wins, quality losses, Losing later in the season is technically better than losing earlier in the season. And conference championships mean a lot to this group. The idea of this committee is to have them vote on who the best four teams at the end of the year are to put them in that college football playoff. That is the entire idea. So here's what you can kind of expect, at least what I think you might have some shakeups. Normally, the bottom of the rankings tends to kind of be a free-for-all. They should put probably someone really random in there, more like a more loss SEC team than a UCF maybe in the AP poll. Also, one of the things I think you will notice is having Tennessee probably a little bit higher because they've had a lot of quality wins, zero losses, obviously. Georgia kind of got pushed around by Mizzou, whereas Tennessee hasn't really gotten that push around. So um, just having a good opponent against Alabama, playing them really hard, all of those things will go into their rankings. So we could see a 1-2 matchup on Saturday, but I'll get to that in a minute. Another headline was there was yet another scuffle in the Michigan Tunnel. Penn State had the original one on October 15th so far, but this one got ugly. One Michigan player, most likely a defensive back it looks like, was assaulted by some of the Michigan State players. Four of those players have now been indefinitely suspended. Absolutely what these players did was wrong. It was like the entire Michigan State team against like one Michigan player and then another guy came back to help him and it was a horrible situation. However, seriously, Michigan, I think it's time to get two separate tunnels. This is not the first time. I know Harbaugh has also said, like Penn, like Penn State, you know, purposely took forever so that they blocked us getting into our locker rooms. That is fraught with peril. It's time to fix that. So just my personal opinion, but... Also, last piece of news is it has finally happened. The college football world has known for a while that this was imminent, like since February. But Auburn is looking for a new head coach after firing Brian Harson. He went 9-12 and 12 in less than two full seasons. He did have an investigation into his running of the program back in February, which started this whole bull rolling. Basically, he is just a 
bad fit for this Auburn team that likes things done a certain way. Obviously, that investigation doesn't help. So what can you expect as a layman's person listening to college football stuff? Prepare for Deion Sanders rumors. And let me tell you why. Because Auburn is a big Under Armour school. So no Nike, no Jumpman, no nothing like that. No Adidas. They are an Under Armour school and Dion has high up connections in the company and loves the Nike rival. So expect his name to be dropped. Also, Lane Kiffin will also be mentioned. Moving on to NFL. I told you there was a lot of college football news. So NFL week eight, there were seven single score games this weekend, starting with Thursday night football of the Rams beating the Bucks. Tom Brady struggled only going 26 of 44. That means 26 completions in 44 attempts and throwing one touchdown pass all game. Moving on to Sunday, the Falcons needed an OT field goal to beat the Panthers, but they manage it. The Cowboys scored 14 points in the first three quarters, each of the first three quarters, to handily beat the Bears by 20. The Vikings continued to be dominant, beating the Cardinals 34-26. to They now have six wins. The Saints shut out the Raiders. Hopefully you had A.J. Brown for the Eagles on your fantasy team as he was responsible for three of the team's five touchdowns. Eagles remain undefeated. The Commanders and the Colts both scored 10 points in the final quarter, but the Commanders had a one-point lead before that, so they take the W. The Giants-Seahawks game was a fun one where the Seahawks came back to win, scoring 14 points in the fourth quarter. And the Lions joins the Texans as the only other one-win team in the league after losing to the Dolphins this weekend. So moving on from that, the Texans lost again, shocker, this time to the Titans, but it was a record-setting day for running back Derrick Henry, who had a fourth straight game over 200 yards against the Texans. This also puts him tied for the most games over 200 yards ever in NFL history with six. His big day also put him at 75 career touchdowns, which passes Eddie George as the most in franchise history. So if you could keep all those records straight, needless to say, he's an amazing running back. Sticking with running back news, running back Christian McCaffrey is the first player since 2005 to run, catch, and throw a touchdown in one game. So yeah, obviously there was a trick play where he was throwing the ball and then he threw the ball and it was into the end zone for a touchdown. He is only the fourth player in history to complete the trifecta. It was beautiful and the 49ers beat the Rams 31 to 14. Final piece of football news. I don't usually go over trades, but the Ravens picked up Raquan Smith, who is the leading tackler in the NFL currently right now with 83 tackles from the Bears in exchange for a second and fifth round pick in the 2023 draft. This is huge for a team that has been lacking, especially in the pass rush right now. And the Ravens are kind of on that edge of being a potential Super Bowl team or at least a playoff team. So this could be huge for them. Just wanted everybody to know that that was coming up and that has been a huge major headline on this Monday. Moving on to golf, Dustin Johnson was the individual champion for the Live Tour inaugural season. And now his team, the Four Aces, is the team champion. That means this team of Patrick Reed, Pat Perez, and Taylor Gooch all split the $16 million prize with Dustin Johnson, who brought home $35 million, by the way, this entire season 
in the Live Tour just for playing eight weeks of golf. Cam Smith's team, the Punch GC, a.k.a. I call them Team Australia because it seems to be all the Australian players, finished as runner-up. The competition came down to the final hole thanks to Patrick Reed's birdie on the last hole that he played. And it still pays to lose in this league as the last place team still got $1 million. Moving along to Olympic sports, the first competition of the season and already Katie Ledecky is setting new world records. She broke the old 1500 meter freestyle record set by Germany's Sarah Wellbrook by almost 10 seconds at the Fino Swimming World Cup in Toronto this past weekend. So get ready for some swimming news. It's exciting that that is back. The women are all set for the finals at Gymnastics World. So Jade Carey and Shalise Jones will compete in the all-around. Jones will also be on the uneven bars, while Jordan Childs and Jade Carey will be on vault and floor, and Sky Blakely will be on the balance beam. You can catch that all this week. Men's qualifying was today, and as of right now, Asher Wong and Brady Malone are in the all-around final. Also start to notice the name Star Andrews. She is the first U.S. black figure skater to win a Grand Prix medal at Skate Canada this past weekend. She set an 11-point personal best to do it, and man, her reaction was priceless. There is a link on the blog. I actually have a little bit of soccer news, which I don't usually hit on, but the NWSL final was on Saturday. That is the National Women's Soccer League, for those of you who don't follow soccer on the regular that was between Kansas City Current and Portland Thorns, and it didn't take the Thorns long to get going. MVP Sophia Smith scored with just four minutes into the game, and the only other goal was an own goal by Kansas City in the second half. So that secured the third NWSL title for the Portland team. And if you're wondering, yes, an own goal is literally you score on your own goalie. So that is um, never a good thing. That wraps it up for what's going on this week. Let's move on to what to watch this upcoming week in the world of sports. So in baseball, obviously, like I said three times probably by now, but I will say it again, the World Series Game 3 was supposed to be tonight in Philadelphia. That has now been postponed. So Game 3 will be scheduled for tomorrow at 7.03. Again, it's Astros at the Phillies. You can catch that on Fox. That will be pitchers McCullers versus Suarez. On Wednesday, you can catch game four again in Philadelphia at 7.03 on Fox. That pitcher lineup will be Javier versus Nola, who we already saw in game one when the Phillies won against the Astros earlier. Then Thursday, you can see game five again in Philadelphia at 7.03 on Fox. That will feature Verlander versus Snydergaard. So a nice pitching matchup there. Then we have a day off so that the teams can travel back to Houston if necessary. We know at least there will be five games as the series is split now. But we don't know if that there will we will make it back to Houston. So as of right now, game six, if necessary, Phillies at the at the Astros at 7.03 on Fox will be on Saturday. And game seven, if we're lucky enough, will be on Sunday at the same time. We have some NBA games on Tuesday. The Bulls at the Nets at 6.30 p.m. on TNT. Again, Kyrie Irving is back in trouble, so we'll see if he plays. Timberwolves at the Suns will follow that at 9. On Wednesday, the Celtics at the Cavs will be at 6.30 on ESPN, followed by the Grizzlies at the Trailblazers at 9, also on the same channel. 
Then you get to see the Bulls again on Friday at the Celtics, this time at 6.30 on ESPN, and then the Bucks at the Timberwolves at 9 on ESPN. For Week 10 in college football, we've got a good slate as well. So starting with the game day game, number two, Tennessee at number one, Georgia. These are AP rankings still because the college football ones have not come off out yet until tomorrow. That will be Saturday at 2.30 on CBS. Also, number 18, Oklahoma State is still ranked. They will play Kansas at 2.30 on Fox Sports 1. Kansas is unranked. This was a I added this in. I think it'll be a great game, especially if Kansas gets their quarterback back. Number six, Alabama will play at Death Valley. So number 15, LSU at six o'clock on ESPN. Texas goes to number 13, Kansas State. Also at six o'clock, that game will be on Fox Sports 1. And finally, rounding out the evening of ranked versus ranked matchups, number 20, Wake Forest at number 21, NC State at 7 p.m. on ACC Network. Monday Night Football tonight for Halloween is the Bengals at the Browns at 7.15 on ESPN. That's kind of fitting because they both have orange in their colors. Thursday Night Football will be the Eagles at the Texans. That should be a very easy game. If that sets the Eagles on their if that if they defeat the Eagles that would be ridiculous (laughs) because the Texans have only won one game this entire season that game will be at 7 15 on prime on Sunday you can catch eight games at noon on Fox or CBS the Fox games are the Chargers at the Falcons the Panthers at the Bengals the Packers at the Lions and the Vikings at the Commanders and the CBS games are the Dolphins at the Bears the Colts at the Patriots the Bills at the Jets and the Raiders at the Jags Then at 3.05 on Fox, catch the Seahawks at the Cardinals. 3.25 on CBS, catch the Rams at the Buccaneers. So hopefully Tom Brady can bounce back. Then the Titans at the Chiefs at 7.20 p.m. on NBC. That ought to be a high-scoring game. On Monday night next week, the Ravens at the Saints at 7.15 on ESPN. The PGA Tour goes to Mexico for the Worldwide Tech Championship at Mayakoba. That will start on Thursday for round one. You can catch that at two on Golf Channel. Same for round two on Friday, round three on Saturday, all at two on Golf Channel. And the final round will begin at 1 p.m. on Golf Channel on Sunday. We also have some hockey games Tuesday. The Bruins at the Penguins at 7 p.m. on ESPN. Those two teams hate each other, so it ought to be a pretty good game there. The Ducks at the Sharks will follow that on 9.30. Wednesday, you can catch the page, the Penguins again at the Sabres at 6.30 on TNT. And finally on Sunday, the Maple Leafs at the Hurricanes at 4 on ESPN. A little shout out to my husband on Sunday. MotoGP, the final round of the year, Valencia GP, will actually be on mainstream TV here in the United States on NBC. That will be at 11 a.m. And then Olympic sports for Worlds Gymnastics. We have the women's team final on Tuesday. You can catch that on Peacock at 1.15. Then the men's team final the next day on Wednesday at 12.25. Then the women's all-around final at 1.30 on Thursday. And the men's all-around final at 12.45 on Friday. All of that is on Peacock until Saturday. You can catch event highlights at 11 a.m. on NBC. And then we'll have event finals, the women's vault, uneven bars, the men's floor, and the pommel and the rings at 8.15 on Peacock on Saturday. And then on Sunday, the rest of the events. So the women's floor, balance beam, men's vault, parallel bars, and horizontal bar. That will begin at 7.15 on Peacock. 
Also, field hockey, the Women's Big East Championship will be featured on Sunday as well at 3 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. And then to round it out, the MLS Championship, LAFC versus Philadelphia Union at 3 o'clock. That will be on Saturday. The women's soccer season ended last week. It's time for the men's this week. That wraps it up for me this week. I know it was a heavy college football episode, but there was a lot that went on over the last week, apparently. As always, for more information, check out the blog, The Girlfriend's Guide to Sports. If you like the blog and the podcast, please drop a review wherever you listen. Stay safe this Halloween, whatever you're doing, and I'll catch you all next week.